Hey there. Thanks for listening, if you are. So I just wanted to start diving into some of these habits or the idea of habits um, and how what habits we have shapes and creates the shape we are, who we are, how we behave, how people see us, how capable we are, what our skills are, what we achieve in life, how much money we make, whether we're healthy or not, whether we have a certain posture or alignment, many things. Those are all things that are created by our habits and our choices of environments. So before you can start to actually create new habits. I mean, how many people have said, okay, I'm going to start going to the gym every day tomorrow and I'm going to go every day for six months and this is going to happen or, okay, I'm going to go on this new diet or, okay, I'm going to stop having this same argument with my children or my partner and then somehow it all happened again. It didn't work out. One of the reasons for that is forgetting to make a plan. If you're going to adopt a new behavior, you've got to make a plan. If you have a pantry full of unhealthy foods and you think you're going to start this new diet tomorrow, it's probably not going to happen. Or if you know you're going to a family gathering and you want to start this new diet and you didn't plan ahead what you're going to say to people, how you're going to explain your choices, then it's probably not going to happen because you didn't make the plan. That's one aspect of it. Another one is um, your your core beliefs, your hidden beliefs, and that's really important. So we've all got these core beliefs, these things we believe about ourselves that we don't even know we believe about ourselves. I know one of the ones I have is that I'm hopeless at managing money, that I've got no idea how to invest it, how to save it, how to keep track of it, that it just disappears. I earn it and it just vanishes. And it doesn't matter, I've had jobs where I've earned a lot of money, I've had jobs where I've not earned a lot of money, but whichever scenario I'm in, I always spend more than what I have. So probably if I earned millions, I would spend a little bit more than that. That was my hidden belief. Well, still is actually, I'm working on that one, but it's changing. So before you can, and a lot of people have other hidden beliefs like, um, you know, that they're unable to complete things or that they are um, a victim of circumstance, that they're a victim of someone else's actions, that they don't have agency over their own life. I see this a lot in my medical practice where people come in and they don't actually know the reason they're taking certain medications they don't actually know the diagnosis that they were given or what the medications are supposed to do because they believe that that responsibility is not theirs. They don't even know they believe that. They don't even question it. They believe that the person who prescribed those things for them is in charge of that part of their life. They don't realise they could be in charge of that part of their life. So I'd like to address that a little bit today and just say that in order to change 
some of those beliefs, you first have to know that you have them. You first have to identify them and notice them because you might be walking around not realising. It took me ages to realise the false beliefs I had and those people who come and sit in the consulting room and, and say to me, oh, yes, I'm just on these pills, and I say, what are they for? And they say, oh, I'm not sure. They're not thinking, oh, why am I not sure? Maybe I ought to find out. They're just saying, oh, I'm not sure, because they've said that for so long it's become normal. So the first thing is to try and notice it. And it's a hard process. It takes time. You've got to devote some effort and thought to doing that. One of the ways to notice what your false beliefs are, or your core, well, they are false beliefs, is to analyse what you say. Analyse those throwaway remarks like, oh, I'm always losing my keys. Now, when you say something like that, that's something I used to say. Um, I still do lose my keys, but nowhere near as often. My glasses was the other one. Um, when you make a remark to someone else, I'm always losing my keys, what must you believe that you wouldn't be able to say that if you didn't believe? What does you saying that phrase, I'm always losing my keys, indicate that you must have as a belief? For you to be able to, to utter that phrase, you have to believe that you don't have any control over losing your keys often, that it's some kind of accident, that it's some kind of genetic defect or character flaw that is fixed in stone, that can't be changed, that wasn't created by you or by anyone else, it just happened, or maybe it was created by someone else and it's their fault, or maybe it's the fault of your parents because one of them always lost their keys. But that very statement, for you to be able to say it, implies you don't have control, you're not in charge. Um, the other day I was at the pub having some lamb shanks and a woman sat near me with her son who looked to be about eight and she walked to the chair and sat down as she was saying, well, what have I done wrong again now to her son? She went on about it. So what, what have I done now that you're unhappy with? Now, for her to say those things to her son, clearly she believes that her mood is dictated by his mood, by his approval. She must believe that... If he is unhappy with her action, then her action is wrong in his eyes. And that further to that, she's expressing annoyance at him for daring to think that her action is wrong. So that's a, a double layer of not taking ownership, of not taking responsibility. She's attributing to him what his feelings are. She's telling him that he thinks she's done something wrong, even though he may or may not think she's done something wrong. It's up to him to tell her what he does or doesn't think. It's not up to her to guess and to think she's right about it. 
And then on top of that, she's implying without saying directly that if he thinks she's done something wrong, then that upsets her. Then that makes her angry. So that's quite a set of, of different beliefs she's got right in that embedded in that um, in that sentence. So there's obviously lots of different examples of that. Um, you know, when you when I'm talking to friends, sometimes I'll say I'll tell an anecdote and I'll say, "Well, of course, I forgot that thing again that I always forget," or they're little throwaway comments. They might not be said in anger the way that woman was speaking. They might just be little throwaway things, but they indicate a belief. They are um, a little hint that, oh, if I said that, I must believe this. So that's the first step to um, identifying those beliefs is just analysing the little throwaway comments. Do they indicate that I'm not, that I don't believe I'm in charge of my own life, that I believe someone else's or circumstances are? And that's something to begin doing um, and to continue doing forever is to look out for those things because if you can use those clues and identify what some of those beliefs are, you're going to be in a much better position to replace them with different beliefs. If they're all completely unconscious and you've got no idea they're there, it's going to be a lot harder to change them and find and find better ones. You don't have to get so psychoanalysis to do this. You don't have to spend a whole heap of time. You don't have to sit there with the journal for days on end listing every little thing. It's just add a little bit of extra awareness. Find yourself saying those things. Note them down mentally and move on. Don't um, spend ages trying to figure out exactly where that belief came from and how you got it and who gave it to you because that's not really necessary. All you really need to do is identify that those things exist, that you are making assumptions every day um, that you've made for years upon years upon years that you probably inherited from your culture, your parents, your family, your school, your job, and these assumptions may not be true and they may not serve you. Being true is not necessarily something you'll ever know because it depends how you interpret something. Maybe it is true that I always lose my keys. Well, I don't always lose my keys. No one always loses anything, but it probably is true that someone often loses their keys. But does it serve you to say that? Does it give you a message that I'm in charge of my life. Really, in a nutshell, that's what I'm getting at. Don't say things that imply you're not in charge of your life and do say things that imply you are in charge of your life. Rather than I'm always losing my keys, say, hmm, it appears I have lost my keys. I'll find them. I'm sure that I'll find them soon. And then maybe later figure out if 
the reason that you often do lose your keys is because you put them in different places. And could you work out a plan? Could you work out a system where you always put them in these three locations and then you know where to look? I mean, that's very simplistic, but you get the gist. So catch yourself um, saying little throwaway comments. Look for that message, that hidden message that I'm not in charge of my life, something else is. And then think about changing what you say to reflect that. And that's super important, super easy, and it's the bedrock for all habit change. It really is. You can change all sorts of habits. I mean, God, you can change. You can rewrite yourself completely from start to finish through tiny little incremental changes. And it's amazing. It's amazing to think of the power that that gives you. I'm not speaking as a guru. I'm not making out that I'm this behavior change expert, but I have made changes. The simplest change I made was changing from eating pizza, KFC, drinking lots of wine and cider and beer, not that much, but having sugary snacks and some really good meals too. And I just changed that to Chris Cress's template. Wasn't actually that hard. It wasn't a huge, terrible thing. It was a lot easier and a lot less painful than developing diabetes, than remaining depressed, than remaining unable to sleep because I was in so much pain from all my joints, than being grumpy and achy and this lump of a human being who couldn't find the ability to be playful and light and enjoy herself. In comparison to all those things, changing my diet was a piece of cake. Haha. Um, yeah. We think these things are going to be difficult and we make a mountain out of a molehill, but we forget to think, okay, if I don't make this change, which seems challenging to me because it's new, so of course it's going to be challenging and I'm not used to it and I haven't figured out the plan yet and I haven't figured out the details of how I'm going to do it and of course I'm going to fall over and fail a few times before I succeed, duh, um, we forget to look at, yeah, but what if I don't make this change? What if I remain as I am doing the things I am doing which are creating destruction, which are breaking me down, which are leading to this inexorable decline that we all blame on age or genetics or an accident? No. It's not those things. We have the power. We can do it. And it starts with little things like that. How hard is that? Catching yourself saying, I'm always losing the keys and changing it to, oh, I lost the keys. I'll find them. How hard is that? All right. 
that'll do. Enough from me. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. I'll um, talk to you soon. Thank <laughs> you.